This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Johnston, I tell you what, it was a great weekend for boxing. I uh, really enjoyed this weekend, and obviously there's only one place we're going to be at a start, and that's probably one of the best welterweight fights that I think we've seen in years with Spence and Porter, and Spence picking up the victory. As we both pointed out, we thought he would pick up the victory. I didn't think it would go to a split decision, but then, again, we also thought Porter was going to go in there and try and rough him up and try and give him a tough night, and I think in parts of that, he certainly did, and I, you know, I really enjoyed the fight overall. What did you think about it? I thought it was a really good fight. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think we both, we both did pick... Spence Jr., we, we felt that he would have enough to get through the fight, which he did. I didn't think it was going to be as close as it was, um, although I, you know, I gave kudos to, to Porter in terms of what he's going to bring, and he basically did that, but he, a little bit more. He showed a little bit more for me in that ring on Saturday night or Saturday, early hours of Sunday morning, and he caused Spence Jr. some problems. Um, but, you know, I mean, as you say, it, it, it is definitely a contender for, for the fight of the year, and um, probably the best welterweight fight I've seen since sort of Porter fought. Furman, if not actually, so you know, in the last sort of couple of years, Porter seems to be the guy that's just been sort of pulling it out of the draw. Really, he's he's been top draw in terms of his performances. He just fell short again. Um, but you know, you got to credit Porter. I think he put on a good performance, and 
And I think he'll, he left that ring with his head held high, definitely. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, really, that, you know, he seems to come up on the wrong end of decisions at times, you know, given the fact that he does surprise a lot of people, like we were talking about when we previewed this fight. And it was just a bit of a shame. I, feel, I do feel for him a little bit, because I feel like, you know, he is a guy that is worthy of a world title. I know he's now lost his, his title that he had, but he's worthy of holding a world title, because he's just, you know, I think he'd cause anybody problems. He gives anybody an issue in the ring no matter who it is and obviously we're going to come on to the rest of the welterweight scene in a couple of moments but I think Sean Port again just you know credit where credit's due and even more credit for Errol Spence obviously now we were talking about him stepping up and getting more good names on his resume and this is just another great name to have on his resume you know a really good peak Sean Porter and to be able to beat him yeah okay you know it was a split decision and, and you know arguably that can be contested and we could sit here arguing about that all night but for me I think you know Errol Spence did win the fight yeah it was close it could have been closer in some people's interpretations of that fight but for me you know he did win the fight and he overcome some tough moments in there and he's got valuable experience off the back of that fight now to lead him into what comes in the future and what was interesting was that everybody wants to see Errol Spence and Terence Crawford but yet at the end of the fight in the post-fight interviews we get Danny Garcia making his way into the ring yeah um just I don't get it I mean even even today I see a, a poll that PBC put out on Twitter where they were they, they basically just didn't even acknowledge Terence Crawford um, and asking who he should fight next and he wasn't even there it was like Manny Pacquiao it was Williams and it was Garcia and I'm, I'm sort of just scratching my thinking I don't understand it I really don't get it I hope that you know it, it, that for me Danny, Danny Garcia doesn't deserve it I, I don't see why he would go ahead of you know anyone else other than a Terence Crawford or a Manny Pacquiao for me um, yeah I, I really don't understand it um, you know, it's obviously they, they want to try and keep it in half maybe they just thought we just want to just ignore Crawford uh, which just it, it baffles me um, maybe what Crawford needs to do is you know, I would like to see Crawford Pacquiao then, if that's the case. You know, they're both under Bob Arum. I think Pacquiao's still with Bob Arum. I'm sure he's only left him. I think I'm sure he came back. Um, and yeah, I think that, that's a fight to unify the, the other titles. And then hopefully, maybe next year, you could then get the winner of Spence Jr. Looks like he's going to be fighting Garcia against, and then the winner of Crawford Pacquiao. That you know, that that would then become become the fight for the undisputed worldweight champion, which which sounds quite quite nice actually. Yeah, it does. It does when you put it like that. It really <laughs> does sound like a pretty pretty mouthwatering prospects but when you were going back to what you were saying about Crawford being completely ignored I think there was a lot of people on there that picked up on that and were retweeting it and sending out their other own thoughts attached to it and you know rightly so because at the end of the day you know Terence Crawford is is the boogeyman of the division if you want to call him that he's like the guy that nobody kind of wants to fight because he's, he's too high risk low reward I think in some people's eyes even though for a lot of people you know he's one of the best fighters on the planet but yet he's not been given the opportunity to prove it in the welterweight division because essentially nobody wants to step in the ring or no promoters want to put their fighters in the ring with him. I don't think it's a case of the fighters don't want to fight him. I think it's the promoters are keeping the fighters in-house and, and not allowing these fights to happen. And it's it's ridiculous, to be honest with you. But it's boxing and it always happens. And we talk about this every, every couple of weeks where we have situations like this that happen all the time. You know, in the UK, they've been doing it for years with the with the Hearns and Warren, and it's, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, you know, some of the fights that we don't end up getting because of these promotional issues and TV rights and all the rest of it. But you know, ultimately, going back to the to the main event, then 
you know, what we're talking about is, is Errol Spence, you know, from that performance now, do you put him up there as, it's an arguable, it's an arguable one this, but do you put him up there as the best welterweight or do you put Terence Crawford or do you put Manny Pacquiao, I mean, who do, who do you say is the top welterweight at the moment? Well, for me, I mean, one interesting thing is I think the top three in the welterweight division is Crawford, Spence Junior and Pacquiao and all three of them are southpaws, which is quite interesting. Um, you know, I, I would for me, I would have Crawford in front of Spence. I, I, I just, from what I've seen, um, I just think Crawford. I just think he just. I, I don't know what it is. He, I think he, he, well, I do know what it is. He, he just, he's a, he's a brilliant fighter. He's, he's got a bit of everything um, from the point when he took on Ricky Burns and, and, and defeated him. That was from that moment. I, I watched Crawford basically every single fight he's ever had, and every single time he's impressed me with how he's able to just work his opponents out. And I just think Crawford just edges Spence Junior for me. Um, but then saying that Manny Pacquiao is also a threat. I mean, you can't just discredit Manny. He's, he's gone and done what he's done against Furman um, and he's put himself right in there as a top three. That being said, the next lot, you've got Porter, you've got Garcia, you've got Furman and them lot need, need to then sort of fight against each other to, to, to push themselves back in to get that title shot. But for me, Crawford is the number one. I think for, for, he's the number two in the power for powers when you look at it. I always edge to Lomachenko as the number one, so Crawford's always my number two. And then I would even I would even contest the fact that Spence Jr. even deserves to be number two in the world away. I think Manny would have a lot to say about that. So they're the top three, but I think for me, Crawford's the number one. Now, I, don't know, I don't know about you, Sean. I, I, just, I just enjoy watching Crawford and I think he's got something that the other two haven't. It's hard, isn't it? Because is so subjective like you could sit here and you could say Crawford is the best welterweight in your eyes but then people could argue well Errol Spence is the one that's now got two titles in the division so why would you not put him at the top of that pile and people would have a valid argument when they say that it's, it's hard it depends on, on I suppose what you consider to be the, the, the best in terms of skill and ability do you do you work the best off that or do you work the best off who's got most of the belts in the division and who's got the best resume it's, it's way too subjective I mean if I'm going with a particular fighter that I think is the, the, the best in terms of what I've seen in ability at this point in the careers and I probably would side with you and I probably would say Terence Grove but I just don't think he's given the opportunity to prove it against these guys at the moment so ideally for me I'd want to see a Pacquiao Crawford or a Pacquiao Spence uh, and I'd want to see a, a potential Errol Spence Crawford fight in the future as well you know there's these three sort of fights main fights that we want to see between one another but it's whether it can happen that's the big issue and that's the sort of the the, the stumbling block with it all it's it's so sad really like that we might never get to see some of these fights actually take place so i think if anything's going to be likely probably going to be crawford and pacquiao that's probably the most likely out of that trio that i'd see happening yeah yeah i, I agree with you and I, I mean for me i don't i don't tend to look at the belts personally i always Look at it as just a bill. Eventually, the best rule eventually rise to the top, and and eventually it becomes it gets to a position where a fighter is is unavoidable. So you know whether it would be the uh, you know the, the governing bodies that will either force a mandatory at some point, and then say look you know your mandatory is this guy, um, then that's when inevitably that either somebody will decide to just leave their belt, and then they just get sort of given it which is what's happened before previously, or the fight happens. Um, it's it just, it does get ridiculous because I don't ever really think it's the fighters. I never do. Uh, I think people are quick to target fighters. I mean, I've been, I've done it myself. Uh, it's come to Wilder and I, you know, I've called him a ducker and whatever, but 
in actual fact, it's, it's the people around these guys. You know, it's these are the it's, it's the team around them. It's the ones that are feeding them the information and telling them how great they are. Um, that gives them this big head, if you like, and gives them this this bad attitude. Really, um, when you hear these fighters talk about how great and that they're the best in the division, and you know, obviously you're going to say that. But you know, when there's no real, you haven't fought any. You know, you haven't fought the guy that's the other guy that's out there. You know, it doesn't make sense that why wouldn't. Spence Jr. call for whatever fight, it'd be a great fight. They could sign a contract, get two fights. Why not do that? Why not sign a deal to have a first fight and then immediately have a rematch, irrelevant of what the result or the outcome is? Now, you could even have one fight, one part, one half, one part in you know, sort of one side of America and the other in the other. However, you want to work it. You know, everybody's going to win. Everyone earns money. You know, the, the governing bodies will have a great champion and, and will, they'll earn millions of. It, it, that's where I just get baffled. That's where you know, and I always rant about it, but it all comes down to the promoters. Just because someone, one promoter, don't like the other, that tends to be the problem. It tends to be the main problem as to why we're not having these fights that we want. And the other reason is governing bodies, where they will throw a mandatory in and then they, you know, they have to take this mandatory rather than taking the main fight everybody else wants to see. And it's frustrating because it's happened for so long and it, it does turn me off boxing sometimes. I sort of look at it and just think, God, why don't you just fight? No matter what division it is, you're the two best two in the division, just get it on. Um, and I just think they're always waiting to have this where one fighter's got two belts and the other's got... By then someone gets beaten and then all of a sudden, or someone gets too old and then it gets too old for the public and then we just like, we don't want to see it anymore. So I hope it doesn't come to that. I really do. I hope by 2020... We're talking about Crawford, Spence, Jr. Because I think they're the best two in the division. I think we need to see it. And I think it'd be good for boxing. I agree. I do. I totally agree. I can't argue any other points on that one. So I think in that instance, we'll move on and we'll talk about another big talking <laughs> point for the weekend then. And Daniel Dubois' demolition job on Ebenezer Tete, which was highly expected from a lot of people. And, you know, what can I say other than that? Daniel Dubois, just, you know, they keep lining him up and he just keeps knocking him down. And how how long can they keep him knocking over opponents like this before we have to seriously consider putting him in with bigger fighters? And have we said this on the preview? We said we don't want to see him rushed. You know, I, I strongly say I don't want to see him overly rushed, but I do want to see him nurtured throughout the heavyweight rankings. And I think when you find guys that have got these padded unbeaten records like Ebenezer Tete, and there was one video before the fight that I never got to mention in the preview episode, was that there's, an, uh, there's a video floating around social media of, of Tete boxing this guy uh, in Africa, and, he, he, and I think he hits him, and then he just like this big twirl around. And I'm like, is this for real? Is this the guy... Daniel Dubois fighting this weekend. How has he got a 19-0 record? How has he got to that point? I mean, what are we going to see next? We're going to see Daniel Dubois' next next fight happen with Richard Latte versus Ebenezer Tetti as the undercard fight, you know, the Battle of Ghana kind of thing. It's, it's, it's a bit ridiculous, really, where they're finding these opponents from. And, you know, I, I, I listened to the Warren interview uh, on BT afterwards, and he's talking about, you know, trying to trying to move him on, and he is saying a few of the right things that I, I wanted to hear and what I've suggested, you know, when we've spoke about it, but it's it's how many opponents, who can they find? They're saying they're having trouble finding an opponent, but yeah, we've got Joe Joyce there who, you know, clearly would, would have a really good fight, I think, as long as it lasted between Dubai and Joyce. And I think, you know, I know they're looking to move on and they're fighting for the vacant European heavyweight title, looking like it's against Marco Hook. So you're kind of expecting Joyce to beat an aged Hook now, who, who's obviously a blown up cruiserweight. So you expect then maybe Dubai will move on to the European level, but then will Joyce still be there? Will they be pushing him on for world honours at this point? And then you've got to look around the division and think, who can they start putting him in with now? He's, he's starting 
that he's beat a few of the sort of gatekeepers of the world like the Kevin Johnsons so who do you start throwing him in with now who wants to fight who's going to take the fight with him and at the moment you know based on the way he is knocking people out I don't think there's a lot of people that are going to want to get in the ring with him at all and and that's just the truth and you know there might be one guy that might decide you know I might have a piece of this because I think he's inexperienced but the other issue as well actually while I'm on the subject is He's not getting the rounds now. He, I think he's a what? He's only been 10 rounds the most, I think, with, with Johnson, I think it was. So he's not even getting the rounds at the moment. So that could be a big factor. You know, Anthony Joshua was a prime example of this earlier on in his career, not going with the rounds. And again, people argue this was a big factor in him gassing and him blowing in certain fights. But I want I want Dubai to have these longer fights. I want to see him get into good competitive fights with people that are going to get to him and hit him back and we'll see how he deals with them situations can he deal with it when he goes deep and he needs to have them fights before they really push him onto the world level i just don't want them to take an opportunity where they say oh right you can fight such and such a body uh, there's nobody else around let's jump up and fight him and then you know he ends up losing and then going back down the packing order i, I think I'd, i just don't want to see him rush that's what i'm trying to get out here i don't want to see him rush but i do want to see him with competitive fighters yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, I can get where where Warren's coming from. That you know, people there are fighters out there, but you know, maybe they don't want to take the risk against him. But you know, saying that, I think there are there are guys out there. I think I think again, the problem always stems from the promoter side because I mean, you know, you you've got how far is the from like Huey Fury? Um, with me and you spoke highly about Michael Hunter. You know, why wouldn't he take on someone like Mark? I believe Michael Hunter would take that fight. David Price, uh, why not? Joe Joyce, as you've mentioned, that's a great shot. Um, and then maybe someone like, I mean, you know, he's fighting soon, he's fighting Joseph Parker, but even like someone like a Derek Chisora. These guys are going to give him rounds. Um, the question is, how, is Dubois good enough? Is, is Dubois good enough to beat Hugh Fury at the moment? I believe he will. I think he probably is. From what I've seen in Fury in his last Fury Fury last few fights, I've not been impressed with him, and I, I think he would be too scared of him. I think I think the danger fight there is someone like a Michael Hunter. But again, it all stems, you know, these two, for instance, are now with you know Eddie uh, with with Eddie. So so is, that's another stumbling block, isn't it? Because they don't like it. Two promoters don't like each other. So you're going to now have the wire fighting guys that you know it, it doesn't really make any sense. When in actual fact, you got you got a few names there where he could easily have a have a good few rounds against them, if not. I think he could potentially beat him. Why not? That, that, will, that will shoot him up the rankings. I mean, he's already pretty high up, isn't he? I mean, I, I don't know how far that shot him up that victory over Tete, but um, sure not too far. I mean, and again, another name, I'm just it's Carlos Takam. So, you know, these sort of guys are probably the sort of fellas that maybe Dubois could go in the ring with and, and, and get some rounds, as you say, he needs them. And then you've got other names, like you've got your Charles Martins, you've got your Dominic Brazil, even Oscar Reavers. These are sort of just guys that I believe Daniel Dubois could beat, even at this stage now. I don't think they're going to bring anything that's going to really cause him any problems. Um, and he could easily be knocking on that top 10 in the heavyweight division this time next year, if he did take him on, if not 2021. It, it, the trouble is, how long do we wait, Sean? It's, it's, it's tricky. I get what, what sort of Warren's saying, but there are fighters out there. I think the problem is, is that he has severed his relationships with certain individuals that he won't push his fighter or try and, you know, just, just get over the bollocks between two promoters and actually step him, you know, get him on a card. Because the argument comes is, would you show him on Sky? Just you show him on PT? I mean, this is where it gets silly because you're, now restricting a fighter with the potential that Daniel Dubois got, and uh, it's a tricky one. I, I think the problem is, is there's not enough fighters that are not under, say, Eddie Hearn. You look at it after that, 
who is there? There isn't really many. So I, I really don't know where to go with him there. Um, I think if, if Huey Fury was still with Warren, possibly that could be a fight they could have made, but obviously he's not. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I'm sort of lost to find a name, really. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I think it's going to be one of them where the, the more opponents they put in with him, where they, we, not, we don't really know him or they're quite obscure opponents, the more criticism they're going to, going to get on the way up. And it's not just that, it's not just the criticism, it's the tests. It's not getting the right tests for him. And if he's not getting the right tests, will he get found out at the highest level? Yes, there's a good potential for that to happen. We have seen this happen before. So that's the big concern with him. But yeah, we'll see. We'll just see what happens. We'll see what they've got lined up for him next. They're talking about yeah. December as the next date. Let's see what they line up next and let's see how, how the next year progresses for him and whether we can see anything you know more competitive for him over the next 12 months. Uh, over the weekend then, just going back to the card, uh, which was headlined by Spence and Porter, David Benavidez picking back up his WBC super middleweight title knocking out Anthony Durrell, which I, I, I think I expected. I don't think I expected that fight to go any other way than Benavidez coming back and winning and put himself obviously back on that map in the super middleweight division now and obviously you've got guys like Callum Smith who's, who's just signed to fight John Ryder in Liverpool and then obviously we've got Kayla Plant IBF super middleweight champion knocking around there so yeah Benavidez I, I managed to catch the back end of, of the fight I didn't manage to catch all of the fights so I just managed to catch the last couple of rounds until the, the stoppage happened and you know as as I expected really I expected Benavides to come away with the belt and he has and let's just hope he can keep himself on the right track this time and, and not end up going off the rails a little bit and uh, hopefully we get to see him in a fight with one of the, the big super middleweight fighters in the division but yeah another good a good victory for him now and he obviously remains undefeated at 22 fights Yeah I expected it as well I'm not I've not really been a massive fan of Anthony Durrell. Um, I'm just knocking fighters here tonight, so there was no me. Um, but um, yeah, I like David Benavides. I think he's, he's you know he's a good fighter. Um, I mean, I mean, you look at that super middleweight division again. I mean, it's run by the Brits, isn't it? Really? I mean, you look at Canisius, Eubank Junior, uh, Billy Joe. And then Don Ryder, which is saying Cancel's Ryder, that's a good fight. Even Rocky Fielding. And after that, you sort of as you think, I mean you mentioned Caleb Prant and that. Um but yeah, there isn't we, we basically dominate this division in Britain. Um and it'd be nice to get, you know, obviously we've got Smith and Ryder, which is a nice one. But yeah, I mean he holds a title, I'm sure, you know, so does Billy Joe. Um you know, even someone like Chris Eubank Jr., I think he gives him trouble. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of Eubank Jr., but that's a good fight for him, and it's a world title fight. So, you know, I think we're in a position where we've got some good good talent, you know, sort of in the peaks of their careers, sort of in their 30s, and Callum Smith just sort of edging into his 30s. But, you know, we're in a good position, and I think we're in a position where we could pick up some titles and have some, some unification fights over on these shows and that would be great. I think that would be great for uh, for British boxing and super middleweights and yeah, there's no reason for me apart from sort of uh, Caleb Plant. I think um, it's pretty much all Brits for me. So I wanted to move on and there was a subject I wanted to talk about. We spoke about it on the preview episode for this podcast uh, for this weekend just gone and it was the return of Nicola Adams defending that WBO flyweight title that she didn't win in the ring and I felt like she lost it on Saturday night, although she got the decision, I honestly felt like she lost that fight and there was a lot of other people that echoed my sentiments and the sentiments of, of a lot of other people around the ringside on the night and I, I don't know what to say, it's so hard because I wanted her to do well and obviously her opponent, Salinas, came in with, with complete grit and determination and for me, 
I felt like she she won that fight. I felt the controlled aggression throughout the fight did land punches. Nicola Adams' work was quality in very short spurts, and it was too short, and that was the problem. She didn't do enough in the fight to to win that fight for me. I I felt like Salinas had come over to the UK, and and that that old saying of ripping the title away from the champion, I I felt like she did it, and I think the crowd, you could hear it really, I think the crowd felt like she'd done enough to win the fight as well. So I I hope that she does get a rematch, you know. That could be a life-changer for her if if she won that world title, you know, especially with her Mexican heritage I think it'd be a massive thing for her to, to win a world title but obviously as, as, as a British guy I wanted Nicola Adams to do well and win and win in fashion and, and obviously show us that she's got something there and it's very difficult now I don't know what to, to make of where her career goes from here I mean she's got the title yes of course I'm talking like she's 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 not got it. She's still got it. She got the decision on the scorecards, but in my eyes, she lost. So it's like, what else do you do now to to, to get over that? You need to really rematch Salinas, beat her emphatically, and move on. But I don't know if that's really going to happen, and if they're just going to move on. And I think there's a possibility she could be there for the taking. You know? Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think the inactivity hasn't helped Nicola, um, and I think I think the rematch would be perfect. I think that's. This one was just one of them fights where it didn't go well, as you say. She didn't do enough. She can watch the tapes back and she can make the judgment herself. And I'm sure her team would say the same, that in actual fact, he probably lost the fight. So um, I think that would be the best thing for her. And I know it's probably, like you say, Selena is probably going to fancy like She feel like she's got her number. And But, you know, as you say, that you could tell from the crowd's reaction that I think uh, most people inside, that, inside the venue felt that she didn't win the fight and, probably, and, and most people at home felt the same. So oh, why not? Why not? Just go with a rematch. Get a, get a fight in like six weeks' time. Like literally straight away. Don't even waste no time of it. Get back in the ring and uh, give her a rematch. You know, people feel that you haven't won the fight. Because I go back and and this time just beat her and beat her emphatically. And I think that makes sense to me. And it just means that she gets a, a quick turnover and have a fight. And that, that's the sort of thing that's going to improve Nicka. And you know, she's no spring chicken. You know, she she's got to be got to be careful because eventually, like you say, if she moves on to, against a better opponent they will do it and she will be there for the taking absolutely yeah I agree and that's 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 where I stand on that at the moment I, I want to see her do well please you know don't get me wrong anybody that listens don't think I'm just hating on her I'm not I, I, I genuinely want her to do well but when you put okay. a, when you put a performance on like that it's very difficult and I know she was out of the ring for a long time and I know she was she was rusty and, and all the rest of it but it's hard as, as a fan to kind of justify your performance when she's got so much talent like she has and you would expect that some you know, someone that's got a lot of talent, more talent than what we've got in our little fingers, to be able to go in there <laughs> and 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 do a number on a fighter like this. And Salinas, let's be honest, if if Adams boxed the way she has boxed before, she would have made that a very easy night for herself. And instead, it was a very difficult one and a very lucky one to get away with, really. And it's just, it's, I just hope they can get this rematch sorted and and she can kind of get this one out of the way and move on because like we said no spring chicken 36 years old now I mean how many fights honestly has she got left in the professional game before she says says, that's enough now do you know what I mean and to be fair she doesn't look 36 she looks about 26 to be fair she looks very well for her age she does but but and, and obviously she is fresh. She does seem fresh. But she, I think maybe could just be the ring rust. It could be the inactivity that's that's kind of killed the momentum at this point. And maybe we'll see a better, improved performance the next time she goes out. So 
Was there any other in particular moments over the weekend that you wanted to talk about in terms of fights or or news or anything that you picked up on over the weekend? Um, not not that much. Um, you know, apart from uh, I suppose we had Archie Sharp. He, he beat uh, Declan Geraghty, didn't he? In the end, in the fourth round knockout, left hand, loved the shot um, in, in the super featherweight division. Um, so you know he, he moves on, um, and you know he, he's some good names out there for him. With you know you could you, you know you got Zelfa Barrett in there, you got Liam Walsh, etc. Um, he's he's sort of guys he should be looking at maybe even Woodstock as well. Um, so uh, it's good good performance. Although he was behind on the scorecards, I believe, and then it was uh, Archie that finally uh, he landed the shot and got, he got rid of him. But um, uh, Robert Guerrero won, didn't he? Pretty much standard on the El Spence undercard, which uh, surprised to see him back out. Really, I didn't really see. I looked to see highlights of Guerrero. It's nice to see him out there, but a bit, bit um, baffled where he goes. He's, he's a name, though. Guerrero. He's a, he's a guy that you know some of the up and coming welterweights might look at. Um, but other than that, yeah, not, not too much. Just just impressed. I, I mean, I was impressed with Spence, um, but I was I was actually really impressed with Porter as well. And I think he definitely, you know, he, he deserves uh, some credibility for the performance he put in. And he, he, for me, he always looked like he smothers his fighters and he doesn't really have that much of a great technique. But, you know, just going back to that fight, I thought I thought he showed some great technique. I was really surprised of how well he performed. So I thought, although Spence obviously comes away with, a, with the two titles and he's obviously the clear champion. And for me, and the knockdown was a major factor. I think Paul... I've, it was really just, he just impressed me over the weekend and I've just he's gone up in stock again for me yeah I agree I'm not going to disagree with that but I did want to bring a few things to your attention and to the listeners attention I don't know if you've heard any of these stories floating around social media so the one that kind of caught my eye was Alungu Mikabu signing a promotional deal with good old Mr. Slippery himself, John King, who claims he actually <laughs> he actually wants to do, and here you go, here's the punchline for this one. So apparently he signed with Don King, and Don King wants to do the Rumble in the Jungle 2 in Makabu's home country of the Democratic Republic of Congo. <laughs> Don King, mate. I don't know what to say to you, really. <laughs> He's uh, he really is. Uh, do you know what he could he could sell a broom to a witch that one? I'm telling you, he is just got that ability to sell anything. That goes out. Um, what can you say, really? Who's he going to be fighting in the Rumbling Jungle two then? Oh God knows. It's no, there's no announcement <laughs> of an opponent, but the fact that that he's selling things like this, like you know. <laughs> Like we've said it so many times about him, you know. I'm not going to say it again. We just say it all the time. But he keeps, he keeps, but he keeps cropping up everywhere. Still, he's still cropping up everywhere. That's the strange thing about it. Everywhere we, everywhere we go, everywhere we look, we always end up mentioning Don King somewhere because he's, he's still, he's still up to his slippery old ways. He's now promoting, obviously. Makabu, who obviously we've seen in some great fights over the past 18 months to two years, yeah. uh, and then now he wants to promote him in Congo as, as the Rumble in the Jungle too, so I'll be interested to see who that opponent's going to be in the Cruiserweight division and who they're going to they're gonna sell that one as. But another interesting fact, and another interesting statement that was released over the weekend is, I know I've seen on social media, I don't know if you've seen it, in the, uh, in the in, it was in the, I can't remember what it was, I don't know if it was the World Championships, I think it might have been the World Championships that's uh, that's been going on recently. 
yeah yeah so in the world championships there was an incident that i've seen where there was a professional boxer who'd gone into the world championships uh, and absolutely destroyed an amateur boxer and there was all this talk on social media and you know people fuming about the fact that this professional was allowed to go into the amateur side of the sport and back into it and absolutely decimated this amateur fighter who obviously didn't have the same sort of skill set and level that this professional fighter was at and it was something that was interesting that i picked up on over the weekend was that mexico had actually invited andy ruiz jr to fight at the olympics in tokyo 2020 so the wbc president mauricio Sullivan has actually reaffirmed that any professional fighter who goes to tokyo 2020 will get a minimum two-year ban from the WBC and it also means they'd be excluded from the WBC rankings and unable to fight for their title. What do you make of that? Wow, that's that's interesting. Two-year ban? Cool, blimey. So you, you, you fight in the Olympics, you get a two-year ban, but you can take whatever whatever you want. And uh, in terms of your, 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 all your uh, performance and all your PE days, and uh, you get a six-month ban. Um, I, that sounds a bit crazy to me. Um, I think I think the Olympics. I think I think you know when they brought that rule in where professionals can go and fight in the Olympics. At first, I was a little bit. Uh, I don't really like the idea of it, but in actual fact, it's not a bad idea. It's not bad at all. Um, I don't think many pros will do it. You know, it doesn't. You know, it's just experience, isn't it? Something that if you haven't, you know, to achieve early doors in your amateur career and you get the opportunity in your pros, I sort of think go for it. So I, I think that's crazy. I, I don't like that rule. I think if you want to fight. In, in the Olympics I think it's a, it's a big sell the Olympics is a massive deal um, and especially in boxing as well I mean saying that of all the drama that's going on within uh, all the politics in, in boxing in, especially in the amateur boxing ring and, um, and and just everything that surrounds it it doesn't look great that even whether, whether uh, we'll even have boxing at the Olympics um, it looks like we we'll, we'll, looks like we will the rumours are that it's got to happen but then there's also other rumours I think with Fraser Clark having a he got he basically beat someone and then um, he got turned over, didn't it? Um, oh, bollocks! And oh, uh, bollocks! That. Absolute disgrace afterwards. Uh, and the guy ended up going through, um, and it just stinks badly of corruptness, doesn't it? It is really bad. I and mean, we're talking about Don King's one of the slipperiest bastards you could ever meet. But you know, I was Don. Don, now he must be knocking on eighty now, Don, and he's still going, isn't he? I mean, he's, as I say, he's still selling and doing what he needs to do. I mean, credit to the guy. I know he's an absolute dodgy bastard, but you know. It is what it is, um, it, you know. But this is just clear corrupt, um, and it, in the end, it's starting to. It's, it's just taking its toll, really, and, and inevitably, unless it's cleaned up, we're gonna have. We, we might not see it anymore, which is sad because you know you think about the top top fighters that have come through the Olympics and gone on to do amazing things. It's helped them. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't quite get that. I don't agree with that. A two-year ban. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. And that, for someone like Ruiz, you know, just beat Joshua. Why not? I mean, if he beats if he beats him again, then why would he? If he loses, why? Fuck it. I'd go. <laughs> can't fight the Olympics. You, you've earned your money, mate. Um, yeah, silly. Stupid. I didn't say that, Sean, but what, I think that he's a bit of a prick, to be honest with you, Sullivan, sometimes. I think he makes it up as he goes along, that one. Well, anyway, well, I'll move on to something <laughs> that I nearly forgot about from the weekend and it was something again that i said on the preview episode it was flying way under the radar lejeraga getting knocked out in the first round against avenician in the rematch in spain what what was mental that was absolutely crazy i just you know some people thought that that was a fluke the first time around but avenician you know we've said this before the guy's no joke there's a reason josh kelly 
didn't want to fight him last December. There's a reason they pulled out of that fight in fight week. And that is the reason. Because they knew he would be way too much for Josh Kelly at this stage of his career. And boy, is he showing it yet again. Destroying Lejeraga. Oh, I, 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 thought, I thought the first one was a shot. I thought, I thought um, Lejeraga, as I say, I thought he looked brilliant for me. I thought he was one. He's, he's going to go on to become a world champion. Eh? And that was my honest opinion. My honest assumption of it. And uh, Maybe David Evans is just one of those guys that just got his number. I don't know, but poor first round knockout. I mean, he's, I mean, will we just run through the, the welterweights? I mean, this guy's put himself in there. I don't think any. We're talking about with a Sean, with, with uh, Terence Crawford's being ducked or not. After them two performances, I'm, I'm guessing not many are going to want to fight every instance. So it'd be interesting to see where he goes from here, whether he can potentially be knocking on the door. And as I say, those little those guys like your Furmans and your obviously Garcia so he's probably going to get himself a shot. But even Porter, even Brook now has put himself in there, and I think Brook put himself forward for another Porter rematch. So I don't think anyone's want to want to go near this kid. Um, I say kid, he's 31 years old, but wow. What a brilliant performance. In Spain as well. I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Really top, top class. What's interesting about it now is the situation has, has took a turn uh, for, for the change, really, is the fact that now Josh Kelly's actually been made mandatory for that European title and uh, supposedly the fight is going to be ordered to happen. So that's going to be interesting. Well, that will be interesting. Cool. I don't think, as we already mentioned, I mean, I don't think he's going to fancy it. I mean, I like Kelly, but it is, there's, you know, there's folks in there and I think he needs another couple of fights before he takes on a guy like that. And I don't know, he's just proven just, he's just one you don't really want to mess with. Maybe, maybe he just, he's just got his number. I don't know, but he looks like he's really improved a lot. I mean, massively. I don't know what he's done in training. Has he done something? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> I don't want to say he's going to fight, get caught and ripping drugs or something. Hopefully not. Um, that's terrible. I should have said that. But, you know, great credit to David Evans. Yeah, and, and if he has to take it, I think he'd probably say, no, nah, do you know what? I don't fancy that. I think I need to cut the fights before I take on someone who's good. Yes, we shall see. Well, I don't actually think I've got anything for the listeners more for this episode. We did say that we were going to make it a little bit of a shorter one because it's obviously a really busy week. So if you're listening at this point, we've got the Lewis Rackman 2 Legendary Nights already out. We've got ones to watch with Freddie Kuit already out. We've got another episode coming with Wesley Levendahl from Global Boxing Scorer application. Really, really good, interesting episode. Get your ears around that one because it was really interesting to sit and talk to him about the application that he's, he's developed and that he's put into practice. And then obviously we've got Triple G and Derivanchenko going on and the MTK sort of global contract uh, and then Clarissa Shields all coming up this weekend. So we're probably going to be back with a little bit of a shorter episode to cover that off as well at the end of the week. But that's it from us if you've not already followed us as always you know what to do go and follow us btr boxing pod on twitter and on facebook btr boxing podcast go and follow us on all the platforms that we're out there on and also go and subscribe to us you can do it on apple Podcasts or podbean stitcher or spreaker or even player fm or spotify whichever one tickles your fancy go and get on there and, and give us a subscribe and let us know what you think of the episodes so thanks for listening as always fight fans we'll be back later on this week with a preview of triple g versus derry vinchenko
Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.